trees don't grow. Why don't you just put on some clothes and we can sit down and discuss No, this. I can't do anything right now. I'm so sorry, Pete. I'm in love with you. Why don't you just put some clothes on, okay? I'm not gonna go put clothes on. I know what that means. If I put clothes on, it's over, okay? Hello, movie lovers. You're listening to Does It Hold Up, the podcast where we talk about some of your favorite movies to see if they still hold up. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And this week, we're going all the way back to 2008 to cover the comedy Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So this is the first time you're ever seeing this one, correct? This is the very first time I've seen this movie. This is a movie I've watched a few times. It's not one I've seen dozens of times, but I've definitely watched it more than five. Which is impressive for you. Yeah, this is a movie that I feel like you can just put on in the background and just enjoy it. Every now and then you'll catch one of the jokes and you're like, <laughs> excellent. But it's not something you really got to sit down and like watch, watch. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those make the best movies. When I'm just like, I'm working and just have something on. There you go. Done. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Perfect. Get to see naked Jason Siegel and laugh <laughs> a little bit. I'm all in. It's all good. It's all That's good. the part of the movie you're glomming on to yeah. already. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, hey, it happens within the first like five minutes of the movie. All right. It's yeah. like one of the first things you see is just Jason Siegel with his dick out. Like you have to talk about it. Yeah. It's there. It's funny. So this is a movie that came out like this was the height of comedies. You know, this movie came out in 2008. Right after this, we got like, I love you, man, which is one of my favorite movies. Before this, we got super bad. This is us. Not this is us. Completely different thing. This is 40. Uh, 40-year-old virgin. This is the end came out a few years after this. This was like the peak comedy era. I mean, just three years later, we get Bridesmaids. All comedies I kind of avoided. Which but, is kind of sad. But like, why? Think about it. I, I honestly thought they were all just going to be either like sex jokes or really low-hanging fruit, like, stoner jokes, that kind of thing. And those just never really entertain me. Well, first of all, that's exactly what these movies are, and yet they're still funny as hell. Not necessarily to me, but we will see. But you're, you're wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> I mean, I hated Bridesmaids. So, Forgetting Sarah Marshall had a budget of about $30 million. It made 63.1 domestically. Worldwide, it only made 105.5. It's not bad. Three and a half times your budget. I'm really surprised it didn't do more. I feel like everyone was talking about this movie. Same. I remember it being a big deal when it first came out. It was like, you have to see this movie. It's so funny. You've got to mm -hmm. go to the theater. And to find out it only made back double its money here domestically, a little weird. Yeah. Uh, in 2008, it was only the 49th highest grossing movie. Yeah. But well, comedies don't always do like the best. Yeah, it's just one of those things of this movie might not have been appreciated in the moment, mm -hmm. but I feel like it got a following afterwards where people couldn't stop talking about it and asking you if you had seen it about a year after it came out. So it was too late to go check it out in theaters, but it became like a running joke among friends a year after. Well, I realize when this movie came out, I wouldn't even have been able to see this movie. So that might be why I've actually never watched it. Could be. Uh, when this movie came out, I absolutely would have been able to see it. Because <laughs> um, I'm old as hell. So yeah, it's just, it's a weird, weird whole situation with this movie. 
where I feel like if you talk about it now, people are like, I love that movie. But nobody actually went and saw it. Well, the cinema score only had it at a B. Ooh. Yeah, it wasn't quite... Because I had to watch the trailer to see, like, why did it get such a score? I can kind of see it. It's not quite what the trailer had put out. It it gives you that same feel, but not, like, enough. Well, because they couldn't go as hard. Yeah. This is, this is a hard R comedy. It's swearing left and right. There's nudity. There's sex stuff. There's... It's a hard R. You can't put that in a trailer. Mm-hmm. So, so they thought it was going to be just a another fun romp, and then it's just like, here's Jason Siegel's dick. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> but yeah, it, it looked like a rom-com mm-hmm. in the trailers and stuff. Like, Jason Siegel meets Mila Kunis, haha. Hilarity ensues, and they fall for each other. Not even remotely close to what you really get. Yeah, it's a lot more dramatic than yeah. that. So, no, it kind of makes sense. The Rotten Tomato critics have it at an 83%, which equates to a 7 out of 10 for them. Uh, audience, a 76%, but a 7.6 out of 10. So they're dead even. This movie definitely is made much better than a lot of other comedies, mm. where I think critics appreciated that. It had an art form to it, rather than just, we set up four cameras and set a bunch of jokes and then tried to turn it into a movie. That's fair. I have known movies like that. <laughs> I have worked on movies like that, so... <laughs> Yeah, this movie, that's all you got, right? Yeah. Okay, because there was no Ebert review for this. No. I checked. So I was like, I gotta know what he He did not deign to go see this movie, apparently. So a year later in 2009, I Love You Man comes out, starring Jason Segel and Paul Rudd. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite comedies, I've already mentioned that. He did a review for that movie, and I'm not going to spoil anything, because we're eventually going to cover that movie, because I love it so much. But... When he did that, he actually talks in the review for that movie about how much he loves Jason Segel and how great he is and the fact that he didn't know him from anything before because he refused to watch this one. Yeah. He refused to watch Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So he was like, I didn't know him. And you kind of get the the idea like, he fucked up. He's like, man, I should have just watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall. My bad. That's, he has the same, had the same mentality that I do. Of like, I won't like this humor, so I will not watch this. Yeah, he's not a comedy guy. Yeah. He doesn't like a lot of comedies. It's rare that he gives them good ratings. Mm. So, And I, I always thought I liked comedies, but I'm definitely more picky on comedies than I probably should be. Probably. Hey, listen, I have one rule when it comes to movies. Just watch them all. <laughs> like, you can't say you don't like something if you've watched one of them. Oh, I don't like superhero movies. Okay, well, which one did you watch? Um, the Marvels. I watched, yeah, I watched the Marvels. No, I watched uh, Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Okay, so you had a tiny snippet of superhero movies. You can't make it a judgment until you watch more of them. Same thing with comedies. Oh, I don't like fart jokes. Okay, but you've only seen it in one movie and it didn't work there. You got to give it a chance. Yeah. Open yourself up because... Sometimes you're going to really like what you find. And that's why I'm watching these movies now. The director of this movie was Nicholas Stoller. This was his first ever movie directing. Hmm. He was friends with Jason Siegel. Then he did the movie Get Him to the Greek a couple years later, which is an unofficial follow-up to this movie. Oh, okay. Russell Brand stars in it as Aldous Snow, his character in this movie. And it's just a day in the life of a rock star. And the manager who has to get him to the Greek for a show. And yet everything goes wrong. Is it any good? No. Oh. It has like moments, but overall like, no. 
Jonah Hill's in it though. But not as this character, which is why it's super weird. That's why it's like unofficial. It's super weird. Yeah. But then he directs the five-year engagement, also with Jason Siegel. Neighbors and Neighbors 2, which I know you really enjoyed the first one. Yeah. Not so much the second. Uh, the animated movie Storks. Did you ever see that one? I did not. About delivering babies? Yeah, I did not. And then he did a newer movie called Bros, which I know we watched. We did. Not good. No. No. But I don't think it was his directing that was the problem. I think it was the actors. I think the material. My, yeah, I was going to say the the script. So that's that's the big things that he's directed, but he's he's more known as a writer. So he wrote Fun with Dick and Jane with Jim Carrey. Nope. Yes Man with Jim Carrey. Yeah, I have not watched that one. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, Get Him to the Greek. Gulliver's Travels with Jack Black. I did not watch that one either. It wasn't good. Here we go, though. Ready? Mm-hmm. He wrote the Muppets movie. Yeah. He wrote Muppets Most Wanted. And then he wrote Sex Tape, which is a god-awful movie. <laughs> Zoolander 2, Neighbors 2, Storks, Captain Underpants, Night School, which I feel like you just said you watched the other day. I did just rewatch that. Better than I ever thought it would be. Oh, yeah. He wrote Dora and the Lost City of Gold, the Meh. Dora the Explorer movie. And then Bros. But then he also just wrote that new Goosebumps TV show on Disney+. Plus. That is some weird stuff that he wrote. Yeah, not really... Keeping to any sort of genre or And some real style. highs in here. Some real highs in here. Like, Yes Man's really good. The Muppets and the Muppets Most Wanted, good. Even Captain Underpants, I thought, was really good. I didn't watch that one either. But then, like, some really low lows. Like, Bros, Get Him to the Greek, Gulliver's Travels. Mm-hmm. Very, very hit or miss here. But speaking of writers, do you know who wrote this movie? Who? Jason Siegel, the star of the movie. That's probably why it's a better script. Most likely. This was his first movie he ever wrote. A couple more that he wrote was uh, The Five-Year Engagement, which he starred in. Sex Tape, which he starred in. Neither one are very good. Mm -hmm. But then he also wrote The Muppets Movie, along with Nicholas Stoller. The original one, right? Yeah, the one that Jason Segel stars in. I've actually not watched the sequel. I don't know why. But I have watched The Muppets one a few times. The the Muppets is the one Jason Segel stars in. Yes. It's the original. Yes. Yeah. That's what? That's the one he wrote. Okay. And he stars in it. I was just making sure that he didn't also write Most Wanted. I have no idea. No. I don't have it written down, so I'm going to say no. He didn't. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think he's in Most Wanted. Don't, I, doesn't he move, don't the Muppets move on from him by then? I have no idea. I didn't watch it. Oh. You love the Muppets, though. I know. That's the weird part. It's very weird part. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> watch it. I think he did a really good job as a writer in this. Yeah. Everything feels very natural. None of the dialogue feels stilted or forced. It feels very earned. Yeah, like, that's how I would talk to people. Mm-hmm. How they talk to each other in this movie. That, yeah, some 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 characters. Most characters. It's definitely, like, one character here that I can't stand. Probably <laughs> just should have been edited out. Um, let's talk about the cast of this movie, because I think that's one of the high points. Mm-hmm. It's a wonderful cast. Everybody nails their roles. So let's talk about some of the smaller roles first. So we have a weird married couple in this movie Mm -hmm. called Darold and Wyoma. I don't think we ever hear their names in the movie. And those two are played by Jack McBrayer and Maria Thayer. Maria Thayer, you know from Accepted. Love that movie. And Jack McBrayer, you know from 30 Rock. He's Kenneth. Kenneth. He will always just be Kenneth. Yeah. They're, they're good. Even even as Fix-It Felix, he's just Kenneth. Yeah, Kenneth, why are you in a video game, sir? 
Yeah. It's weird. Get get out of there. They're good for what they are. Yeah. Just I I don't think they were necessary, but Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um Brian Bretter and Liz Bretter, who are uh the main guy Peter's brother and sister in law, are played by Bill Hader and Liz Kakowski. They are fantastic. Oh yeah. I want I want a movie about their relationship because it's so good. They're so very realistic and such such lovely people. Oh yeah. Then we have Chuck, played by Paul Rudd, who is the surf instructor. So we'll, best character of all time. We'll get Paul to, Rudd. We'll get to him. And then Matthew the Waiter, played by Jonah Hill. Yeah. Again, we're gonna get to him because I have a lot of notes about him. <laughs> <laughs> then we have our four main people in this movie. We have Russell Brand, who plays Aldous Snow. Mm-hmm. And you'll know Russell Brand from movies like Penelope, Bedtime Stories. Uh, he's the voice of Dr. Nefario in Despicable Me, the old man in the wheelchair. Oh. That's Russell Brand. He uh, remade Arthur, and then he was in Rock of Ages and Death on the Nile. I don't even remember him in Death on the Nile. I don't either. Oh, yeah, crazy, right? Then again, I, you said another one, and I was just like, wait, where is he in that one? It was, I think, the first one you said. Penelope? Yeah. He owns the club. Oh. Yeah. He's he's good in this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He plays the role very well. He's got a cool swagger to him, which he's supposed to. He's a rock star. All the snow is literally, like, the biggest musician on the planet. And he plays it really well. He's likable, but hateable all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And you like fight with yourself to decide which side of that fence you're on. And then we have Sarah Marshall, who's played by Kristen Bell. And I think she's okay in this. I don't think she's great. I think she's been better in other things, but she's good. You might know Kristen Bell from things like Veronica Mars, Heroes, Fanboys, one of my favorite movies. Probably never even heard of it. Nope. But that's fine. When in Rome, nice little rom-com. She's not good in it, but I love rom-coms. Uh, Bad Moms, mm. which I think is one of the best comedies starring women. Bad Moms Christmas, not as good. Uh, most famous probably for The Good Place TV show. I think that's what made her a household name for people that didn't watch Veronica Mars. Yeah. You know, Veronica Mars was for a, a certain set of people. And then The Good Place was like, blew her up. To mm-hmm. no other. And she was also the voice of Anna in Frozen. Mm-hmm. So everybody knew her. Kids, teenagers, adults, everybody knows who she is. So it's weird to see her playing a role where she's not likable. Because like everything I just named, she's likable in all of it. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I, I mean, I haven't watched The Good Place as much, but uh, everything I have seen, she's like likable but also not likable at the same time because she's a jerk all right and then here's our two here's our two big ones rachel jansen is played by mila kunis who you'll know from uh max Payne, the book of eli underrated movie date night black swan friends with benefits ted great comedy oz the great and powerful jupiter ascending <laughs> horseshit movie bad moms and bad moms christmas along with Kristen bell uh, another underrated comedy, The Spy Who Dumped Me. And she's the voice of Meg on Family Guy. And obviously she became a household name when she played Jackie Burkhart all the way back on that 70s show. 
she has had quite the career, and yet I feel like she's not in as much as she probably should have been. Probably. She's somebody that you most likely could have plugged into a ton of movies Mm -hmm. to probably elevate the movie, make it better if she was in a role. But I I don't think she ever really wanted to. Like, she married uh, Ashton Kutcher. They have a kid together, one or two, I can't remember. And now, like, she runs businesses and stuff. She doesn't really act anymore. She doesn't need to and or really, I think, want to. Hey, she, she does what she wants to do. Uh, yeah, I think the acting basically was to a means to an end. She used that to do what she wants to do, and that's run their business. So yeah. this was just a way to get there. She's great in this movie. Oh, yeah. This might be my favorite role of hers of all time. I like the way the character is written. I like the way she comes across. She's probably never looked hotter than in <laughs> this movie. She's gorgeous in this movie. Like, it's, it's insane that Jason Siegel is stuck between Kristen Bell and Mila Kunis. <laughs> okay? Like, it's insane because they are both hot as hell in this movie. Mm-hmm. Crazy as shit. And then finally, we have Peter Bretter, who's played by Jason Siegel, the writer of the movie, who was in movies like SLC Punk, a movie I love, Freaks and Geeks, the TV show. That's where he got his start. Hmm. Slackers, Knocked Up. I don't remember him in Knocked Up. Must have been a small part. I Love You Man, we already talked about. Bad Teacher, The Muppets, Five-Year Engagement, Sex Tape, and obviously the TV show that made him a household name, How I Met Your Mother. I feel like you needed someone like this Jason Siegel to make this role work because you have to care about him, but he also has to be funny and sad and you really have to be a special mix to make this character work. Yeah, and luckily I think Siegel is that great mix oh yeah so it it worked out pretty well and i think the fact that he wrote it means he understood the character really well and that amplified his performance all right let's get into this movie so i think the whole opening of the movie works pretty well um just the idea of like him being excited that he's with this person but then when they break up his whole spiral down into what i assume is depression Mm mm-hmm it seems so real. Like if you've ever been in a, in a long-term relationship and then that relationship ended and like the way he tries to bounce back, but he's not sure what he should do. And he's definitely been out of the game too long. And all the little things that remind him of her, Mm -hmm. you know, my cereal used to go bad, but then one day I just came home and I had this and now I have the freshest cereal. Like that's so relatable and so good. I absolutely love them showing a breakup where the guy is doing like almost the classic girl after breakup moments, you know, eating big bowls of whatever and just crying all the time. And it's like, this is a great thing to show people that it's okay to be, these are real emotions that you have after a breakup and it's not just a thing for women. Oh yeah. I love the part where he's going to delete the pictures and then his brother's like, you didn't even do like a permanent delete of them. And he's like, yeah, but if we get back together, like I want to make sure I can still access them. And then the brother just deletes them all. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes that other person to push the button, push delete. I mean, this is where you start seeing the fact that Jason Siegel's character, Peter, has so many great people around him. And that elevates this movie. 
is that you didn't just have these really interesting main characters. You have really interesting side characters. And it starts with his stepbrother, uh, Brian. Bill Hader is just fucking amazing in this movie. So good. We all need a Brian in our lives because he's definitely trying so hard to get his stepbrother out of this funk. But like to a point. Yeah. Why would you you bring me here? This isn't a place that me and Liz would come. Why would you bring me here? I feel like I'm going to get herpes just sitting here. (laughs) It's so funny. And I'm not sure anybody could have done it other than Bill Hader. Yeah, no, like, because he's so genuine in these moments too, but like has that just ease of humor to him. Yeah. That he convinces Peter to uh, get away. Go on a vacation. After Peter has sex with a couple girls. Yeah. I which, mean, one, which one was your favorite? He has sex with three girls. Three? Four? Three girls. Four. Because there's, I feel like there's three in the little montage, and then the fourth well, is what's the, the third, first one. What's the third in the montage? All right, so at, when they're at the club, mm-hmm. he's he's hitting on these two attractive women and being a complete asshole, and somehow it works. I find you both very sexually attractive. Let's Let's pump the brakes. Okay. I think that having sex with either of you would be a great treat for me. I can't believe that works, first of all. <laughs> amazing. All he had to do was tell him he worked on that TV show. Yeah, but he's not famous. Like, he's not rich. He lives in a one-bedroom apartment. In L.A. That, that's expensive. So, there's that chick. And then we get the uh, the unenthusiastic orgasm chick. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, uh. I just came. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. And then we get the high chick. I feel like there was a third one and I can't picture yeah. what it is, but I feel like there was a third one in there. I know. I just like that. I can't picture it. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Which one's your favorite though out of all of them? The apathetic one. Oh, really? Yeah. I love the high chick. Hi. <laughs> hi. 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 Can we not say that anymore, please? Do you want to gag me? What? Now you brought I- a gag? Yeah, and some handcuffs. Do you want to gag me? Well, yeah, now I kind of want to do. So, yeah, fucking great. Come on. You like the apathetic orgasm? Because it's so ridiculous, and it doesn't have to be, like, really far out there. Because I feel like there's people definitely like that. Oh, for sure. I'm sure there's people like the high chick, too, but, like... <laughs> <laughs> I love how the high chick starts out like it's such, like, a sweet moment. Yeah. They're, like, having a connection, and then it just keeps going so that actress i feel like constantly has that role where you expect her to be all sweet and everything and then she's just really freaky yeah but after his his conquests of these women he realizes this ain't working so his brother convinces him to take a trip and he's gonna go to hawaii because sarah Mm -hmm. wanted to go to hawaii so he's like all right i'm gonna go to hawaii i love the intro in hawaii when he walks up to the desk and he talking to mila kunis after we see the married couple. Mm-hmm. The awkward kiss between them. <laughs> it's like, the, it's so dumb. I love it. But he, he's talking to Rachel. And that's when he notices, who's there? Sarah Marshall. Mm. Somehow they ended up in Hawaii at the same time. And I love the scene where she walks into the lobby and sees Peter. And he's looking at Rachel and he's like, is she, coming, is she looking at me? Yeah. Oh my God, is she coming over here? Yeah. Oh, I wish I wasn't wearing this stupid shirt. Okay, just unbutton the top button. And he unbuttons the top button. And she's like, no, 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 button it back up. (laughs) (laughs) It's like instant chemistry with these two. Oh yeah. 
I absolutely love the introduction to uh, Russell Brand's character, too, because he, he goes on this whole little spiel about his other shoe. And it is so funny because it just keeps going. You know, it's like this one, but it's the exact opposite. <laughs> what's what's the chances that was him just riffing and just the director never called cut or the other actors never said their lines? And yeah. he just kept going with it. And I, I could see that because I, I feel like you can't write that. <laughs> no, it was so stupid, but so funny. Great introductions all around. I understand like every character from the moment I meet them. Mm-hmm. And that's rare. Usually it takes a little bit, but even Sarah and Peter, the minute I met them, boom, know it. I know the brother. I know everybody. And it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. So he gets set up in like a $6,000 a room night, even though he's not going to pay for it, number one. And number two, he doesn't have a reservation. He somehow just gets handed this room because Mila Kunis' character is a, a, a psychopath, a weirdo. A, no, what is going she, on she pities him. She she saw how awkward that interaction was and was just like, you know what? I got to do this guy a favor because no, I've been there. And it's your job. You can't just hand out $6,000 a night hotel rooms to people. Yeah, but they're also like, if someone comes, you're going to have to go. But like, no one comes here yeah, for that. Like, he could have that room up royally. He could have like... Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. Nah, she, she had a feeling. Right, so she, have, she knew. She I, had. She read the script. I have this in questions, but I got, I'm got. i going to ask it now. Mila Kunis loses her job. Rachel is totally fired after all this, right? It, the question is just right. <laughs> just right? Like, she totally loses her job, right? Well, yeah. Ridiculous shit. Ridiculous. So, I, next. So, the whole premise of the movie now is they're in Hawaii together, and some ridiculous shit happens. And he's falling for Rachel while trying to get over Sarah. Her and and all this snow are hooking up, but their relationship's falling apart. Like, it's just a comedy of errors. And yet succeeding all, all at the same time? Well, it's all errors yeah. by them, but somehow the movie makes it all work together. It's the weirdest shit. So one thing I love, next thing, Jonah Hill as the waiter at the hotel he's not even like a waiter he's he's called matthew the waiter but like he does so much more than wait i was gonna say he's more like the host yeah it's weird it's weird and right? he only waits on them yeah no one else <laughs> we never see him interact with anybody else he he loves adult uh, aldous 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 snow um he has some great moments in this movie when peter walks up to the bar the first night that he's there and he's gonna get some food I, Jonah Hill's literally on the phone telling somebody he can't sell them weed right now. Well, I would love to sell you some weed, Jeremy, but I'm at my fucking job right now. Obviously, because you called me at work, you know that I'm at my place of work. <laughs> and then as Peter walks up, he's like, oh, yeah, no, gotta go. Okay, mahalo. It just hangs up. And then Peter asks for a table, and he's like, is your wife coming? Is your girlfriend meeting you here? And Peter's like, nah, I'm alone. He's like, oh, do you want a magazine? Because that's going to be boring as fuck. And you're just like, what is happening right now? He's being realistic. It's, no, he's not. Because <laughs> no one would say that to a person. Nobody in customer service would say that. They should, but they wouldn't. It's so funny. I could literally just start quoting things this character says throughout the whole movie. Later in the movie, uh, Jason Segel, Peter, is sitting down to have lunch. And Jonah Hill asks him if he wants something. He's like, no, 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 I'm good. And his response is just like, all right, I'll go fuck myself then. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, what did you say? 
oh, mahalo, and he just walks away. I absolutely love that because I feel like a lot of people in Hawaii probably do that. Like they say whatever they want and then just go mahalo. It's like, mahalo, oh, yeah. and just walk away. Oh, uh, is, is Jonah Hill one of the most underrated actors? Yes. Like he's so funny. And yet dude's been nominated for Oscars in dramas as well. Like, yeah. He's so underrated. We need a Jonasance. Is that? <laughs> yeah, it's a Hillasance. He's so funny in this, but he's just such a good actor. And mm-hmm. because he's such a good actor, I think that's why this role doesn't come across as creepy. Yeah. Why it works. It definitely could have been creepy. Peter sees Sarah and Aldis having dinner and everything. He loses it. And he's like, I gotta go get a drink. He goes to the bar. He meets the bartender who ends up playing a big part. Not a big part in this movie, but he's in the movie. Makes friends with him and everything. And we get this whole little montage of him just drinking mm-hmm. himself silly and trying all these different drinks. And he pulls out a banana from one of them. He's like, look at this guy. And then he looks at a guy next to him. He's like, not me or you, buddy. And it's like, are you serious? We've already seen your dick in this movie, Jason Siegel. You are definitely not a banana. Thank you for admitting it. <laughs> maybe it's, he's a grower, not a shower. Yeah, Come on. Maybe. It's just so funny. This whole little montage of him just slowly getting more drunk is fantastic. But then the next day, he decides he wants to go surfing, Peter. And this might is, as well. What might if, as well. I mean, you're in Hawaii. What else are you going to do? Sure. Might as well learn how to surf. So he goes to learn how to surf, and this is where we meet Paul Rudd's character, Chuck. And I swear I swear to God, they just didn't give Paul Rudd a script. <laughs> they just kind of gave him, like, a, three sentences of, like, what's happening in this scene. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't know, just say some shit as long as we can go from point A to point B. This is your character. Um, just be that character. Yeah. And Paul was like, I got you. I'm gonna yeah. do this. I'm gonna have fun while I do it, yeah. too. Oh, my God. He is also very quotable. Oh, he's so quotable in this. He's going to show up later in this pod with quotes. So 100%. I love the part in the movie where they're on the boards in the ocean and he's talking about how he doesn't have a watch. And Peter thinks it's like the coolest thing ever. He's like, oh man, that's so cool. Like you just live by the day. And Chuck's just like, nah, man, like my cell phone just has a clock on it now. I don't need a watch. Like how dumb are you? It sounded like you were profound of like, oh, I moved to the islands and I just like forgot time existed. <laughs> I just like live in the moment. And Peter's like totally bought into it. He's like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. It's just on my phone now. He <laughs> also has a similar moment right after where he's being asked how old he is. And he's like, ah, if you have to put put years to it, I guess it's 44. Yeah. I don't really believe in age or numbers. You know, I don't. I mean, if you had to put a number on it, I guess I'd be 44. Fuck. So you're 44, dude. Like, yeah. Just say you're 44. Yeah. Like, what? He's such a weirdo. I love what it's like, oh, man. No, my name's not Chuck. Ah, oh, they haven't changed the flyers yet. My name is Kakuna. What? That's a cool name. Where'd you get that from? Oh, it just means Chuck in Hawaiian. <laughs> so you changed your name from Chuck? To Chuck, you moron. I love that he uses a website to do it. Oh, yeah. Because well, yeah, it, it could say anything, and you would just think it was right. You just go to this website, and you type it in, and it tells you what it would be. Yeah. What a dumb character. I'm going to give you one right now. It's so fucking funny, though. Mm. But I think it's funny because it's Paul Rudd. Oh, yeah. I Once again, I feel like in anyone else's hands, this character comes across as just weird. Dumb. 
Yeah, dumb, weird, or like making Special fun. Needs. Yeah, yeah, making fun, like making fun in a bad way of people who go to live on Hawaii. Yeah, that's fair. Could have definitely come across wrong. So as he's at, as he's as Peter's at this hotel, he starts talking to Rachel more, flirting back and forth, and then he's like, "I'm gonna totally ask her out. I'm gonna do it." And so he asks her, and she's like, yeah, let, let's go hang out. And they go to this beach, and she admits, like, she's had a bad relationship in the past and all this stuff. And that's why she moved to Hawaii, was to be with this guy who then just broke up with her anyway. Because he was cheating on her. Yep. So then she just stayed on the island, and she loves it. And her boyfriend shows up to the beach they're on. Mm-hmm. This scene cracks me up when she just starts, like, she goes from, like, innocent hostess, like, sweet girl, to, like, potty mouth i will murder you and go to prison in an instant stay on your island (laughs) what are you doing over here thought you were staying on your island you're not the chief oh yeah you're the chief of idiots (laughs) (laughs) but like kunis pulls this off so well just flipping that switch i love when she just tells peter she's like if i say run run Mm -hmm. and then they fight and it's like the funniest thing (laughs) yeah and then they go to a bar And this is where Peter talks to her. This is like a really great relationship build for them. Mm -hmm. Never once did it feel like they rushed it. Never once did it feel like anything was unearned. It just naturally progressed as you would feel like a relationship would. Yeah, they definitely go out as like friends first and they're just doing generic friend stuff. And then it like slowly transfers to that so that when they do ultimately kind of hook up later it's like oh you know that makes sense yeah no they've hung out a few times they've shared stories they've shared their their histories with each other they have a connection a real connection Mm -hmm. it's not just like ooh, pretty hawaii hawaiian island let's hook up like no no no, it makes sense Mm -hmm. so halfway through this like series of dates that these two characters go on he's sitting at the bar talking to the bartender talking to chuck talking to daryl Telling them all about how like, oh, I just went on a date with Rachel and all this stuff. Bartender looks at him and he's like, she does not like you. She is a, in customer service. She was doing her job. And Peter's like, no, no, no. She actually likes me. And he hits him with the best line. I bet you think strippers like you too. <laughs> I absolutely love the bartender in this movie. He is so funny. Like, once again, all those little side characters. I actually have it written down. Awesome wait staff for this uh, hotel. Oh, I would totally stay at this hotel if they all worked there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Make best friends while I'm on vacation. Like, come on. You know what I mean? Ah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Hold on. I got I got something. So they go on another date. This is their last, like, date date. They go cliff diving. I don't like the cliff diving scene. I love the little moment before they go because, you know, they have the, I think it's the bartender who wants them to go scuba diving with him. Snorkeling. Snorkeling with him. And I'm just like, I, I, I'll i go snorkeling with you. Yeah, because he asks them and they're like, no, 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 we're going to go cliff diving. We're going we're gonna to go on this hike. Yeah, and they, There's a hike. They turn around. He turns around all sad and stuff. And he's like, why will no one go snorkeling with me? It's like, dude, come on, I'll go. Let's go right now. Yeah. But I like it too because it's taking that leap of faith moment. But yeah, it, it goes on a little too long. It's a little eh. But I kind of get where why that's what makes her kind of fall for him. Yeah, I understand the significance of the scene. I just, 
I don't like the placement of the scene in the movie. Okay. It kind of just slows all the momentum. You're building up. Everything's moving real, real well, real fast, real smooth. And then you get to this cliff diving and it's just like, oh, okay. Especially because we follow it up with the morning after scene. Because after they go cliff diving while they're in the water, she kisses him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm totally in. Right. But they don't hook up that night. And the next morning, the another worker at the hotel, the bartender, a different bartender, or no, the, the food guy, yeah. the buffet line guy, finds him naked in bed with tissues all around him. And he's like, hey, are those uh, happy, t- sad tissues or uh, happy tissues? And Peter's like, you're just going to have to give me a couple minutes. <laughs> it's like those two things together is just weird. It makes me not like Peter in those moments. And I'm supposed to like Peter. Eh, I mean, I, I don't really have a, a preference either way. Well, like he goes to jump off the cliff, but like falls because he's too scared to. And then he's like hanging on. But then he like pushes himself backwards to really dive off the cliff. And it's just a weird moment. And then the whole like you masturbated to kissing a girl in the water is also just a really weird moment. Sure. I don't know. It's just, like I said, it kills the momentum for the movie and turns me against Peter a little. Like, I'm like, uh, Peter, you're, why? Why is this here? Yeah. I don't know. I could see it. It's just, yeah, you didn't need the morning after. I think that's what really would kind of kill it. Maybe. I think maybe it's the morning after combined with the cliff diving is why it just all doesn't work. If you would have just ended after cliff diving, maybe not as big of a problem. Mm-hmm. But because they're they're connected, big problem. So the entire time Sarah's been there, they've been running into each other. But now that he's kind of dating Rachel, I guess, sort of, mm-hmm. he's going to go on a double date with Sarah and Aldous. So one thing I enjoyed, you know, leading up to this moment is we get a little flashbacks to their relationship and we get to see Peter kind of realizing why they didn't work. And what he didn't like about the relationship. But you start seeing Sarah being like, oh, I I remember why I liked him in the first place. And it leads to this little like almost butting of heads. Yeah, because right before they go have this double date, she bought Aldous a shirt. And he's bitching because it's an ugly shirt. It is an ugly shirt. And she flashes back to all the time she bought Peter stuff. And then he just like lied or whatever. And was like, oh, I love this. Oh, this is so cool. My oh, girlfriend I, got me this. Yeah, like he's so happy and he'll do it where all this won't. So she's starting to put together maybe she made the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. And he's putting together maybe it's for the best. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, it leads me to another question, though. You, I hate flashbacks. Mm-hmm. I hate them. Do these flashbacks work, though, because they're specific to the narrative? Like... They, they're telling an exact thing. Yeah, they're not long flashbacks. They're not actual, like, scenes. They're little snippets. Yeah, it's just a little montage of like, him getting gifts from her. Or yeah. her, or him on the, the red carpet Always having to hold yeah. her, her bag. Yeah. Do these flashbacks work for you? I think so. Do, are they necessary? Not necessarily. Because, you get- know, just having the, like, faraway look of, like, oh, yeah. She was not like that. Like, 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 could we get there without them? Probably. So they're unnecessary and we probably don't need them then. Probably. Yeah. Then why are we putting them in? Yeah. I hate flashbacks. 
I know you do. I hate them so much. These ones don't bother me as much as normal flashbacks, but it's still like, you guys broke up. We already know you weren't good together. Who cares? This yeah. isn't proving anything else. I would have rather she'd been in the moment falling for him as she saw the change in him, being more outgoing, getting out of the house, all that stuff, rather than the flashbacks. True. So, they, they don't work for me. But the double date works for me. Oh, yeah. It works big time. Um, Peter and Aldous share a moment. They become like friends during this double date, making fun of Sarah and her career as an actress, mm -hmm. which is the funniest shit ever. Funny. One, a movie that she starred in early in her career was about a killer cell phone. And these two are just ripping into how that's the dumbest premise ever. It's a great moment. So they're on this double date and everything they do is just, it's just funny. It just works. Top to bottom. I love the chemistry between all four of them. I kind of just want them all to be friends, even right. after all of this. Peter and Aldous are kind of becoming friends, but they're doing so by making fun of Sarah. Mm -hmm. So then Sarah tries to defend herself, and Rachel jumps in and is like, yeah, 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 I got your back. And it's like, whoa, are you guys becoming friends too? This is super <laughs> weird. I don't understand any of this right yeah. now. So it's just funny. It's just top to bottom. Great scene. This is... This is a weird moment in the movie. Very. The next moment. So I do like the setup, setup though. After they have this double date and they've all been drinking and having a good time. Peter and Rachel are making out. They go back to his room. He does ask her if she's too drunk to hook up. Mm -hmm. Which is just a nice little moment. Especially knowing a man wrote it. Yeah. Is like, oh, that's good for you. Oh, yeah. In 2008. That shit's going to clearly be put in in 2023. But in 08... That's awesome. That's mm -hmm. awesome. So they hook up. And at the same time, they're hooking up. Sarah's trying to hook up with Aldis to like outduel them in orgasms. How, who can be louder? Because at this point, you know, he's, his room got moved because one of the Dakota, Dakota Fanning and her people need that $6,000 room. So now he got moved next to them, of course, because this is a very small resort. And and that is su it's such a weird scene for me. So I'm just I I feel awkward watching it. But that could just be like part of it because it's supposed to be awkward, at least for um, Sarah's side. It's it that's awkward. <laughs> well, because they're not actually having sex. Yeah. Like they are and they aren't all at the same time. She's only trying to have sex with all this so that she can be louder than Peter and Rachel. Mm -hmm. who, find, who realize that's what she's doing. So they amp it up and be louder and louder. It's literally just dueling orgasms. And it's the funniest thing. She's she's having an orgasm. And I'm not even done yet. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. But after all this happens, all this snow breaks up with Sarah Marshall. Realizes yeah. she's nuts, crazy, and bad for him. I love his moment too, because he's like... I mean, I've heard that women do fake orgasms but i've never seen one it really deeply upset me yeah so he breaks up with her then he has another great moment with peter where he tells them tells him that they broke up and he's like how did you spend five years with her spending like one week in here with her was like a living hell yeah you're four years up on me yeah it's amazing it's amazing but because again you're not supposed to like all the snow but you do? Mm hmm So he leaves. Peter realizes they're broken up. He goes to console her, which, first of all, Peter, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, don't. It's not your job, man. 
nope, this person hurt you. Let her go. Yep. But she wants to hook up with Peter because she misses Peter, even though, like, Kristen Bell does such a great job here because it's such a, my heart's broken, I'm going to go back to safety more than I actually want to go back to safety. Oh, yeah. And she portrays it so well. Mm -hmm. But they try to hook up and Peter can't get hard. She's like literally doing everything she can, touching him with her hands, getting all into him, uses her mouth. Like, she's trying so hard and he just can't do it. And there's a reason. And it's, she's like, you, why won't you get hard? And he's like, maybe because you broke my heart into a million pieces and now my penis doesn't want to be around you. Maybe the problem is that you broke my heart into a million pieces and so my cock doesn't want to be around you anymore. Okay? Ever! It's such a terribly written line and yet so good. It is funny, but it also is very telling too because, you know, a lot of people just assume that especially for guys, it's just all about attraction and it's not necessarily about, you know, emotional, emotional, you know, you have to be connected to a person rather than just think they're hot. I, this movie says a lot of great things because, you know, before this whole, before Russell Brandt's character is gone, we get the whole like blow up of why she really uh, cheated and why she really broke up with him. And it was because, you know, he was in a funk and she couldn't bring him out of it. And it's a great message to tell people is like, communication is key in a relationship. Like, had you had this like frank conversation with him about what you wanted and what was happening in your com- in your relationship, you might not have had to go through this. So you got to communicate rather than just hope the other person gets it. She was going to cheat on him anyway. Probably, but you know, it, it's that. But, it's not, but that's not the message though. Like- she says that, mm-hmm. but that's because she was already cheating on him. I'm just saying it's a great message for the movie to be saying is, hey, you probably should communicate rather than just hope the other person. Yeah, but I think that's a message you're putting on the movie. Because I that could think be. that's the message the movie's saying. Because we already know she was already having sex with all the snow before any of that happened. And she's the one who did the breaking up. Of course, she's going to have reasons. She's going to have excuses. She's trying to hook up with this dude again after breaking his heart. Of course she's going to lie and have excuses. <laughs> it's definitely not the message. I get what you're saying. It That's a good message. Yeah. Communication. That's not what the movie's saying. Fair. The movie's just ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Two major things I want to talk about before we move on. Um, so earlier in the movie, when Rachel and Peter were at a bar having drinks, Peter went to the bathroom and he sees a topless photo of Rachel. And he asks her about it and she's like, yeah, he, the bartender won't take it down. The owner of the bar won't take it down because it messes with his collage, blah, blah, blah. He admits to Rachel everything that happened with Sarah. The, the flaccid blowjob, the almost hooking up with her, all this stuff. And Rachel's like, I never want to see you again. Get the hell out of here. Because her ex cheated on Correct. her. Correct. But he was trying to be nice. He was trying to tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to lie. Sure. So the last thing he does before leaving Hawaii, he goes and gets that picture and he gets the crap kicked out of him for it, but he does it and mm-hmm. he gives it to her. But I like that she doesn't just accept it right away. She doesn't, doesn't just forgive him. And there's no big romantic gesture after. Yeah. She doesn't like run to the airport to stop him and be like, I can't believe you got this picture back for me. Oh my God. You're the best. I love you. Mm-hmm. No, none of that. He goes back to New York. 
She stays in Hawaii. That's it. He goes back to do his vampire Dracula musical with puppets that he's been working on forever. That we haven't even talked about yet in this pod. We will. We will. So he goes back to New York. He works on that. He gets it going. In the middle of one of the shows of his puppet production, she's sitting in the audience. The opening night. Because he sent her a, a... Oh, he did. An invitation. Yeah. Yeah. So she shows up and I think that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. It's funny, but also like super cute. And they're like, I love how they don't immediately just see each other and go, I missed you. I love you. Oh my God, let's be together. Mm-hmm. They just have like a, a moment of like, great job. But also she she says, you didn't call. And he's like, you told me not to. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. Once again, Jason Siegelman, you're a real man. Mm-hmm. You're a real Show man. us what real men look like. Yeah. It's Jason Siegel. It's great. And so she's like, you know, you can call me sometime now. And they go about their ways. And as he's getting changed from after the show, you know, he's getting ready to go home. She runs back to him. And then they have the I missed you. I love you moment. Well, he's naked again. Well, he's naked again. Starting the movie with him naked getting broken up with. Ending the movie with him naked getting together with somebody. Yep. And then we roll credits, and then we get into post-credits scene of Sarah Marshall, whose TV show got canceled while she was in Hawaii, getting a new TV show called Animal Instincts, where she's an animal psychic and can read their minds. Because she wanted to become a movie star, but then apparently couldn't make it. She's apparently not very good because she was in crappy movies. One crappy movie. One... <laughs> and that's that's the whole movie. Yeah, it's, I love it that it's like don't don't be a Sarah, don't don't do what she did to Jason Siegel and then just assume that she can go back to him. Yeah, absolutely. That's the message of the movie. There's so there's so many messages to this movie, so many parts that you can take away from this. What should have been just a really dumb comedy, but there's so much to to really Im- go through here. Absolutely, it's a really idiotic comedy with some real heart behind it the dracula puppet musical we hadn't talked about it yet let's talk about it Mm -hmm. that is peter's whole thing he makes music for tv he's he composes the score for tv shows specifically the tv show sarah marshall was on but his dream is to make a puppet musical all about dracula it's the weirdest thing ever yeah it should not work (laughs) <laughs> so many people are behind him and follow i love it follow your dreams all right let's go into questions mm-hmm. first rachel rachel yeah that's the that's the name of the character you cast mila kunis for mila kunis does not look like a rachel not at all like you couldn't come up with a better name had to go really basic names sarah rachel now come on you couldn't come up with a better name than rachel i don't know what would you name her <sighs> tiffany does that work better? Eh, no. Yeah, I don't know. She doesn't look like a Rachel, though. She does not look like a Rachel. I keep forgetting her name is Rachel because she does not look like a Rachel. So the TV show that Sarah Marshall is on, mm-hmm. the name of that show is Crime Scene, Scene of the Crime. Oh, really? Is that the best fake TV show name ever? Well, yeah, right along with Animal Instincts. Crime Scene, Scene of the Crime. Fucking amazing. Yep. Best TV show name ever. I would watch that. And I don't even watch those kind of TV shows. Was it a good idea to tell Rachel the truth? Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, has Mila Kunis ever been better in a movie? Probably not. Like, I really liked her in this movie. She's top to bottom, probably the best part of this whole movie. Yeah. She's just great. Character, everything. She nails it. All right. Here's here's one you got to think about for a second. What would be your crazy puppet show? If you were writing a crazy puppet show, what would yours be? I don't know. Something about being in space. I, <laughs> I just immediately thought of just something in space you're not gonna do like dinosaurs or something dinosaur puppets you love dinosaurs i do but dinosaur puppets just doesn't seem quite right why not i don't know i think puppets work better when they're people dracula's not people dracula's a vampire he's not people it's still a human form he's a bat he's not a bat he can be a bat sure but he isn't but when we see him he looks like a human but with fangs (laughs) there's mummies in that one and yeah, dead, for some reason. And dead rowboat guys? I don't... Yeah, it gets really weird. And wacky, wacky, waveable, inflatable, arm-flailing tube mans? Tube, tube ghosts. Yeah, that are ghosts. ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have no idea what my crazy puppet show would be. <laughs> you had the question, you didn't yeah. even take the time to figure well, it like, out. <laughs> there's like a million that you could do. Like, you could do anything ridiculously superhero. Yeah. In, in puppets form would be amazing. I feel like mine would have to be something to do with like Christmas. I just can't put my <laughs> finger on what it would be. Like it wouldn't be the Grinch, but it would definitely yeah. be something Christmassy, but like negative Christmassy. I yeah. would probably put on a horror puppet show to be yeah, honest. Why not? It would be like murdering everybody at Christmas. Yeah. That that's what it would be. Beautiful. Um if you were if you were Peter, are you getting back with Sarah? Or are you going to try a new thing with Rachel? Try a new thing with Rachel. Mm. Eh. I don't think I'd go back to Sarah. Peter's a whiny little bitch, though. He should have went back to Sarah. He's going to fail with Rachel, too. Sure. I mean, he made it work for five years with Sarah. Yeah, he should have went back to her. And now he has more in common with Rachel. All right. Is this the right title for the movie? For getting Sarah Marshall? Yeah. Is there a better title? That's his his whole goal, is to forget her. Would you watch Animal Instincts if it was a real show? Maybe. I'm, I'd give it a shot. I don't <laughs> know if I'd continue it just because I'd, I'd get really bored with the premise. I only had one real question and it, it's a dumb like knit question because when he goes and has sex with random people, he goes to the doctor like the next day and is like, <laughs> I'm just worried I have a, a, a STI. My whole question is, um, how do you even get an appointment with a pediatrician? They were friends. Oh, were they? Yeah. Oh. You can tell by their comfortability and stuff like that and the fact that he's been there forever and whatever. It, to me, I know we don't say who it is or anything, but like it probably was like a family friend or something like that mm. that he just knew. That's why he could just walk in. I don't think he actually had an appointment. Ah. Uh, I was just so confused me. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't know why the doctor would have taken the appointment for a grown man as a pediatrician. Exactly. We, they definitely knew each other. Mm. Okay. We have two new categories that we're adding to the show here in 2024, which I think are going to be a lot of fun. We have we have a few new other new things too, but they're not in this episode. They're going to come a little bit later. First up is the Louise cameo. So if you guys think about the movie Ant-Man in the MCU or Ant-Man and the Wasp, the sequel, if you know the character that Michael Pena plays, Louise, in each one of those movies... He does a recap of the events of the movie or something that happened that we don't get to see. He recaps it 
And it's the best part of those movies. And so we're doing the Louise cameo category. Where do you place a Louise cameo where he can explain something that we don't see in the movie in his way? I know that's a little confusing, but just go with us here. What do you got? I want Louise coming in and describing Sarah and Peter's relationship. Same. I want him right at the beginning of the movie. Instead of Peter sitting on the couch watching E! News Mm -hmm. do a recap of their relationship and all that. Yeah. That's where Louise comes in. I honestly would love it if the movie started with the breakup and like when, you know, he's already on Hawaii and Louise has to tell like Rachel the backstory. Oh. And that that's where we get the actual. So like there's going to be a guy coming here. And I heard that he was dating Sarah Marshall before, like, they broke up just a few weeks ago. And here's how it all went down. Like, they met when they were working on this TV show. And, yeah, mm-hmm. 100% can see that. Yep. What? Yeah. That's a great place. I want mine right at the beginning, though. I want him telling us everything up until the breakup happens. I want him That's telling fair. us their entire relationship. And then the breakup happens and boom, we're off. Yeah. We just need him in all the movies. Mm-hmm. Our next new category is the Tignataro category. And this is, who would you replace in the movie with a different actor to make it a better movie? Or make it a, make it a crazier movie? Hmm. So, and this comes from, if you guys ever saw Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, originally there was a different actor playing the helicopter pilot in that movie. But that man got a lot of sexual allegations against him, rape and things like that. So they replaced him with Tignataro, and they just green screened her doing all her roles and then just put her in the movie over this dude. And it was amazing. And it was amazing. She, she was the best part. Yes. So if you had to Tignataro somebody in this movie, who is it? I mean, I would Tignataro Russell Brand because, you know, his well, all- not all with Tignataro though. Who are you, I know. Who are you replacing? I- But you got to put somebody in that role. I, I don't know. I want to replace him. I want to say Tignataro because that's funny, but- it wouldn't work for this movie. No, it wouldn't. So I'm trying to think of some other guy, someone else who can do the like crazy rock star. Yeah. I thought Russell Brand too. Like I would totally replace him because just this past year, he had multiple allegations come out against him from five different women. Mm -hmm. And one of them was only 16 at the time that these allegations supposedly happened. Um, I don't know who. Yeah, I'm I'm just drawing a blank. So, I'm gonna throw a weird one out there. Because I think this guy, you could have replaced two characters in this movie with him. I'm going with Justin Long. Okay. You know, the main guy from yeah. like Accepted. You can either replace Aldous Snow with Justin Long, and it becomes a little bit more of a comedy mm-hmm. character than like an actual cool character. But I don't think it changes the movie too much. Yeah. Or you replace Justin Long, you you put him in as the Jack McBrayer character, Daryl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can That's see that. That's what I think you can put into this movie and you don't change the movie too much. That's fair. Yeah? Oh, yeah. You I, I love I love him. All right, so we're going to finish up with some... some what do we, we want to call this? I don't want to call it just research. What do you call this? You can call it, like, believe it or not. <laughs> we'll do it with the believe it's the believe it or not section because this is some like i just googled some shit and saw what came up so the believe it or not section 
here's some cool stuff. So the Hawaii State Fish, which we find out in the movie from the bartender is some ridiculous name. Mm-hmm. He got it right. Nice. The Hawaii State Fish really is the humu humu nuku nuku puahaha. That's the name of the fish. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch. It's uh, better known as the reef triggerfish. So he did know his fish. Good job. Yeah. Um, Universal promoted this movie by getting skywriters to fly over major cities where the movie was playing and write out, I hate you, Sarah Marshall. <laughs> Just so people would look up Sarah Just so Marshall. people would be like that. Real women named Sarah Marshall started getting phone calls from like friends and stuff like that being like, what the hell did you do? Oh my god! Who gosh. did you piss off? And a lot of them actually called the authorities trying to to sue or get them to take it down or, or whatever. And the cops were like, dude, freedom of speech. Like they can do whatever the hell they want. Like, <laughs> we have no control over this. But that's how they helped. That's how they promoted this. Wow. That's it, that's weird. It didn't work. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, Jason Siegel wrote this and is inspired by real events. Three breakups in his life inspired him to write this, including the naked breakup. That <laughs> really? really happened to him. And it really happened, according to Jason Siegel, according to an interview with him, it really happened with very famous actress who plays the wife of Hawkeye in the MCU and who was Velma in the live-action Scooby-Doo movies, Linda Cardellini. Wow. Apparently, the story goes, they he was naked, she broke up with him, but instead of like in the movie where he got all, all sappy and, and sad about it, he kind of knew it was coming and he thought it was the funniest thing ever that he was naked while being broke up with, broken up with. And all he could think of, I can't wait till she leaves so I can write this down. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Amazing. Uh, Mila Kunis was not topless in this movie. The topless That's photo of her. Double. That's a body double. Uh, Jason Siegel really does play the piano in real life. Nice. That was that was all him. And Veronica Mars, the very popular TV show that uh, Kristen Bell starred in, was canceled. She found out the show was canceled the day before she was set to film the scene where Sarah Marshall finds out her show was canceled. Wow. She said that, I think, on the Howard Stern show is where she disclosed that information. So she was like in the right headspace for that moment because her TV show had actually just gotten canceled in real life. That's insane. That is very insane. Um, And then not only was the movie inspired by actual breakups, but the idea of a Dracula musical was inspired by real life too because before Jason Siegel became a famous actor, he wanted to be a writer and he was working on a puppet Dracula musical. Yeah, that that's always a weird thing make to work it, on, but okay. Make it. I will watch it. <laughs> I will 100% watch it. All right, that's all I got for the Believe It or Not section. It makes me wonder if this movie was his uh, audition for the Muppet movie. Oh, 100%. I mean, he went on to write the Muppet movie after this, so yeah. He He's was like, like, I had way too much fun with the puppets. Let's do it again. All right, let's go into awards. Let's finish this up. So first up is the Prestige Award. This is for the biggest WTF moment in the movie. I think it's the sexless married couple. I think it's such a weird story. It makes no sense. I don't know why it exists. I wish they just cut the movie down by 15 minutes and got rid of that side story. I don't like it at all. It is so funny you say that as your award because I completely forgot. Like we just watched the movie and I completely forgot about that couple 
because they have so little to do with the actual plot. Uh, I went with the sex off scene because it's just so awkward and I just, I don't like it. <laughs> All right. That's fair. Uh, a new award that you are not privy to until this moment right now, I'm adding it to the does it hold up schedule is the overacting award. And I don't mean this in a bad way. I don't mean like, oh my God, they're so bad in this scene. I mean, the character just, the actor just dials it up. They take it from 10 to 11 and they just ham it up. They go a little overboard. Mm. Could be in a good way. They just do it. Yeah. All right. I don't have a name for it yet. I don't have a clever name. So right now it's just the overacting award. But the very first winner ever is Jonah Hill. I think everything he does in this movie is just, just turned up. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to be this character like on cocaine. He yeah. just goes for it. Yeah. Uh, if I had to throw one out there, I'd probably say Paul Rudd. Because okay. his character is a bit much. He's a bit much. I just don't think he overacts. I think he's very subdued. Yeah, he's but just that's dumb. the whole point. is like he went overboard on being dumb. Mm, I don't think you're understanding the award here. My runner up though, if I had to pick somebody else, was Mila Kunis. Just for the one scene where she's yelling at her boyfriend on the beach. Her ex-boyfriend <laughs> on the beach. Because she goes from zero to a hundred super quick and like goes, goes all in. She goes nuts in that moment and it's freaking amazing. So that's a new award. I don't know what to call this one. So maybe we'll call it like the Jim Carrey award. Cause any, I feel like he always goes up to 11. Maybe. Uh, any listeners out there, if you guys have a good idea of what clever name we could give this award, let us know over on our socials by clicking any of the links in the description below. Next up is the Psycho Shower Scene Award, and this is for your favorite scene in the movie. For me, it's the during the couple's dinner when they're discussing Sarah's movie, and they're kind of just making fun of her. It's such a great moment because it's funny as all heck, and the chemistry between Russell Brand and Jason Segel is top-notch. It's pretty good. I, I want them all to be friends because of this scene. It's, yeah. they They play it really well. Here's a bit of, believe it or not, that I left off because I had a feeling you were going to bring this scene up again. So Kristen Bell, early in her career, started a movie called Pulse. I think it was either 2004 or 2006, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. The movie Pulse is about a hacker friend of hers finds this weird, mysterious wireless signal, which then gets released into the world and slowly takes over people's brains until they commit suicide. And the whole point is that this mysterious signal wants to take over the world. (laughs) <laughs> That's exactly like the movie they're making fun of her for in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Cell phones are killing Cell people. Cell phones are killing people. A wireless signal is killing people. But Jason Segel and Russell Brand had no idea that she starred in the movie Pulse or what that movie was about when they did this scene. Really? <laughs> so it just happened to be happy coincidence that she had starred in a movie just like that in real life. Though it does kind of date this movie a little bit because they talk about how you can just take the battery out of the cell phone and you can't do that anymore. I mean, it's a cell phone. Just break it. <laughs> it's the same problem I always have with like Chucky, like child's play movies. Yeah. He's a doll. Just kick him across the room. <laughs> it can't be that hard. He's a doll. It's a phone. Just drive down the street and throw it out the window. Done. So, yeah. Uh, my psycho shower scene is um, contradictory to your early, earlier award because I think it's the sex fight. The back and forth <laughs> orgasm scene is so funny and ridiculous and everybody's going full out for it and it cracks me up every time I see it. 
Like just thinking about it makes me giggle a little because it just, it's so funny and so ridiculous. And yet somehow it works in the moment. I love it. Our next award is the, I'll be right back. And this is for your favorite line in the movie. Mine comes from Chuck, our, our surfboard <laughs> instructor, because everything this dude says is just quotable. But when they're sitting on their boards in the middle of the ocean, and they're having like kind of a serious conversation, and he just looks right at Peter and he's like, when life gives you lemons, just say fuck the lemons and bail. Yeah. This character's dumb as hell. He's so <laughs> dumb. And yet that's like some great advice. Yeah, you don't have to make lemonade. You can just just bail. Bad things don't have to turn into good things. They can just be bad things that you just forget about. Yeah. Just bail. Fuck the lemons and bail. So great. Love it. My award comes from when, uh, you know, Peter's back in the U- in, in the U.S. He, he was always in the U.S. Yeah. Back when he's in L.A. And he's kind of trying to work on his music. And he's basically riffing a song that is all about, like, self-loathing. And it is so funny. This This is the whole song is my award. Everybody hates you. Everybody wishes that you were dead. Cause Peter, you suck. Peter, you suck. Peter, your music is fucking terrible. Peter, you suck. Peter, you suck. Peter, you don't do anything of value. Peter, you suck. Write some music, but instead you sit and write these bullshit songs. It's so self-loathing. Go see a psychiatrist. I hate the psychiatrist. Well, go see one anyway. I don't like the psychiatrist. You need to go see one. See a psychiatrist. I'm not going. Go see a psychiatrist. I hate the psychiatrist. Oh my God. It's so wonderful because he's having this whole little fight amongst himself. And it's funny because... People have been there, like, I've been in that kind of mindset, too, where it's like, oh, my God, you should just, this is so self-loathing. Like, why are you doing this to yourself? But you can't stop doing it to yourself. It's, yeah, it's really good. Just the ending, the ending, the very last thing he says gets me every time when he's just like, I'm not going. And then just, like, hits the papers. And mm-hmm. it's just like, and the scene literally ends right there. And yeah. it just cuts to something else. Great. Great song. I need that, like, on repeat in my house. Uh, next award is the Han Shot First Award, and this is for the thing that held up the worst since this movie came out. For me, it's the reliance on sexual humor. Like, I get that the whole thing is about relationships, but I think they just relied on it a little too heavily. Not that none of it, you know, that it didn't work. It's just they did too much. Um, agreed, because my award also goes to the overused sex jokes. Uh, as much as some of them work, like the sex fight, which won my psycho shower scene, there's so much of it that just I don't think always has to work well. Especially like the sexless married couple. Everything about them doesn't work, obviously. I said it's my prestige award. And that's all sex jokes. Every time that dude shows up, it's it's jokes about sex. Mm-hmm. And then we get a scene, which it's a funny scene, but it's unnecessary, where he goes to Russell Brand's character to find out how to have sex and they're they're like having sex with chess pieces on the beach like in different positions it's all just weird and it goes too far and i feel like if you would just cut some of that out maybe it's a slightly better movie Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm with you on that one and our last award hasn't changed at all it's the paul rudd award 
for what held up the best since this movie came out. No saying Paul Rudd. I really wanted to say that just as a joke. It wasn't going to be my actual answer, but I wanted it to be my answer. Okay. Um, My actual answer goes to the casting. Same. Literally, I just have the casting written down as my award. So it kind of is Paul Rudd because he was cast in this movie. But I think everybody just nailed their parts. With With anyone else in this movie, I feel like something just does not work. It, it has to be these people at this time in their career for this movie to be as memorable as it is. So, yeah, the casting is just perfect. Agreed. Agreed. So, all right, let's go on to final decisions. This movie is not normally my cup of tea. Like, it has a lot of humor in it that I normally don't care for. But somehow, this movie made it work. This movie holds up. Like I said, this is the first time I'm ever watching it in 2024. And... I got a kick out of it. I thought there was a lot of great messages in this movie, along with great humor, and it just blends so well. Yeah, I mean, I've watched this movie multiple times, which is very rare for me, so it's pretty easy to say. I do think this movie holds up. I think there's parts of it that don't. Um, There was a lot more parts that I didn't like watching it this time than any other time I've ever watched it. Hmm. And it feels like every time I watch it, I might find another scene or another line or or another thing that I don't think works quite as well. But overall, almost everything in this movie works. Yeah. It, when it came out versus now, I think the movie is more popular now than when it came out, you know, in 2008. So overall, yeah, I definitely think this movie holds up pretty well, especially for a raunchy comedy. We don't get a lot of those anymore. Probably for a good reason, because it's really hard to do well. Correct. So... All right, thanks for joining us as we revisited 2008's Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Let us know over on our socials what you think about this movie. We'll be back next week with another classic movie to see if it holds up. Until then, be good to yourself, be kind to others, and keep watching movies. Bye!